Welcome to Empowered by Hope, a new podcast where we share our insights, optimism, and enthusiasm for medicine and all its possibilities. In each episode, we'll dive into the health and medical topics that matter most to you, our listeners, right here in Orange County, California. Hello, and welcome to the Empowered by Hogue podcast. Our guest today is Dr. January Lopez, who has been a member of the Hogue Breast Care team since 2010 and is the director of breast imaging at Hogue Breast Center. Dr. Lopez has been dedicated to the field of breast imaging since 2003 with her involvement in the landmark American College of Radiology digital mammography trial. She specializes in breast imaging and breast biopsy and has authored several radiology manuscripts and textbook chapters. She received her medical degree from UCLA Medical School, where she served as president of the Alpha Omega Alpha Medical Honor Society, as well as president of the UCLA student chapter of the American Medical Association. She has been named an Orange County Physician of Excellence for seven consecutive years. At Hogue, Dr. Lopez leads a team of highly specialized, dedicated breast radiologists who are committed to utilizing the most advanced screening technologies to help detect breast cancer in its earliest stages. Dr. Lopez, welcome to the Empowered by Hogue podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. It's a pleasure to have you. Now, today we're going to be talking with you about the importance of routine screening mammograms and why having dedicated breast radiologists specially trained in interpreting your results can make a difference in the care you receive. Uh, let's get started. You know, first, mammography has come a long way. What are some of the recent advancements and new technologies in breast cancer screening? Right. So for many, many decades, over half a century, mammograms really were the mainstay of detecting breast cancer. And, and mammograms really still are. They are considered the gold standard for women who have no issues, are asymptomatic, and are trying to be screened for breast cancer because we're all at risk just being women. Um, the average woman has a one in eight chance of, of developing breast cancer. Um, but there are other technologies, and there have been advancements in mammography itself. Um, the Since 2012, um, most people now know about the newest mam mammogram technology, which is called tomosynthesis, or we call it 3D mammography. Um, and Hogue was one of the pioneers um, involved in the reader original reader studies with digital breast tomosynthesis. And Hogue has, was the first in California to offer 3D mammograms um, to the public. So we have a lot of experience in 3D mammography, but it's been 10 years and now the technology has advanced. So 3D mammograms are becoming better, um, more sensitive, higher resolution, you know, with the digital age, we're all into resolution. I think people understand that. And um, mammograms are increasing in their ability to see things more clearly and more crisply. So actually this past year, Hogue, um, due to the the philanthropic gift uh, of Sue J. Gross was able to upgrade all of our mammogram machines across all of our Hogue sites to the newest mammogram technology, which basically has twice the resolution of the original 3D mammography. So we're, we're able to see things more clearly, even more so than they were before. Wow. And is everyone a candidate for a 3D mammogram? Everyone really is a candidate, and there are certain women who will benefit more from 3D mam mammograms, and mainly those are women who have dense breasts. And dense breasts is normal. Um, it just means that the amount of 
the tissue with the milk glands and the milk ducts that on a mammogram will look white is greater than 50%. So some women have dense breasts and in women with dense breasts, it can be more difficult to detect not all breast cancers, but certain types of breast cancers. So even with dense breast, mammograms are really important, but the 3D mammograms help us to see things more clearly and potentially detect breast cancer earlier, and especially in women with dense breasts. Okay, great. Well, when it comes to annual mammograms, when is it recommended to start routine screenings? Mm. So that's pretty controversial, actually, which makes it very confusing for the average woman because there are three main sets of guidelines out there that recommend different ages at which to start mammogram, uh, doing annual screening mammography. So for a long time, um, and many organizations continue to recommend starting annual screening at the age of 40. And what we know is that over decades of research that starting at age 40 will decrease your risk of dying from breast cancer the most. You're going to get the most impact there. There are other guidelines that recommend starting at 45 or at age 50, and this is for average risk women, not women with you know a family history or higher risk women. All those women are recommended to start at age 40. But for average risk women, there are different sets of guidelines, and there's a lot of different reasons behind that. Way It would take much too long to explain and go into all those details, um, but the reasoning behind that is involved in costs of screening women, the amount of research and how that you interpret the results of those research, and how you value certain things like the benefit or a life saved, you know, versus things like having a biopsy of, you know, something that ends up not being breast cancer. So it's really complicated. But one thing that is very clear is that if you start screening mammograms at age 40, your risk of dying from breast cancer is decreased the most. So that's what's recommended by the American College of Radiology, the Society of Breast Imaging, and the National Comprehensive Cancer Network. And and that's controversial because that is younger than has been recommended in the past. Is that right? Um, 40 actually was the age that has been recommended historically. And um, at a certain point, there are some groups that kind of push that age backwards, okay, um, to an older age. Um, but the risk of doing that is that some women will die, more women will die from breast cancer, right, because they're not being screened. So, Well, what about how can you determine if you are at high risk for breast cancer? And if you are high risk, what kind of steps should you be taking? So I think when we think about high, you know, being high risk for breast cancer, most people think about family history, but there's so much more that goes into determining a woman's risk for breast cancer beyond just family history. And there are many things in terms of, you know, your menstrual cycle. At what age did you start having periods? If you're menopausal, at what age did you begin menopause? How many kids did you have? How old were you when you started having kids? You know, do you smoke? So many different risk factors. So it can be difficult for people to really understand or know what their risk is, but there are lots of different calculators or tools that are out there. Um, you know, Google will bring up lots of different things, but one of the common calculators that is used is called the IBIS, I-B-I-S, or Tyracusic model. And basically, it'll ask you a series of questions, it'll ask you your family history, and you enter in all your responses, and it will give you an estimate of your lifetime risk of breast cancer and what's the likelihood of cancer, that, uh, likelihood that you'll develop breast cancer in the next five years. 
And there are other models besides Tyracusic as well. Um, there's uh, several different models that you can find. But those are – none of these are perfect, um, but they are ways in which you can get some idea, some more objective, right, um, idea of what potentially your breast cancer risk is. And that's just something that you could access at home on Google, or that's something that you would work with a physician to to work through and, and find out the answers? You could access it at home, but the safest way to do it really is to discuss with your primary care, your provider, uh, healthcare provider. Um, and at Hogue, we actually have um, a program called the Hogue Early Risk Assessment Program so that women who qualify for this program, when they come in for their mammogram, will be assessed and their risk can- uh, their lifetime breast cancer risk will be calculated and reported back to them. And women um, are provided with different resources and information on, you know, how to lower your risk, how to potentially prevent breast cancer, you know, what you should be doing. Um, and for women who are really high, at the highest risk, there are free services that are offered, um, including access to nurse practitioner who is an expert in high-risk breast cancer. So, You know, Hogue is known for having dedicated, specialty-trained breast radiologists. Can you explain why this is an important differentiator when you're having your breast imaging results interpreted? Yes, this is so important. And this is something that I think may be difficult for, you know, people to understand because I think a, co- a very common misconception, even in healthcare, even in you know physicians who don't do what I do, um, is they think that mammograms are easy to interpret or very black and white. Like, oh, my mammogram didn't show cancer or it did show cancer. But reading mammograms is actually very difficult. And mammograms aren't the only t- tool that we use, right? We, we use ultrasound, we, d- we do breast MRI, and these are all different types of technologies. And sometimes, in many cases, can be very difficult to be able to interpret accurately. So we know that, and this has been shown in research, that having physicians who are specially trained and dedicated, who read high volumes of these types of studies, um, is really important and produces the best outcomes. Having physicians uh, read these mammograms routinely who don't do it often or who um, maybe don't have that special training can result and will result in poor performance and potentially missed breast cancers. Mm -hmm. Well, that makes sense. And, you know, in the last few years, artificial intelligence has made headlines in the medical field, even in detecting cancer. So I'm curious, how is AI shaping your work on the detection of cancer? So AI has been such a hot topic over the last several years. And, you know, at one point, you know, I've been inundated by questions about AI because there's articles coming out all the time talking about, oh, this new, uh, you know, study showed that this AI reads mammograms better than radiologists, you know? So it's, to be honest, you know, that may sound a little bit scary, right? As a radiologist (laughs) at AI, you know, could it take my job? But years ago, I realize that there's no there's no putting your head in the ground. You can't hide from AI. AI is everywhere. And AR, AI, I do believe, is going to play a big role in the future of breast cancer detection. Back in 2018 and 2019, Hogue actually started collaborating with um, one of the AI companies and working with them in terms of shaping one of their products that looks at breast cancer and how 
we can detect breast cancer better on mammograms. So working with this company, much of the data that has gone into shaping their algorithm, you know, came from Hogue. We learned so much about how AI can be helpful in terms of um, inter- not only interpreting mammograms, but um, improving efficiency, triaging mammograms to find those mammograms that have cancer so that we can get to those quicker and get those women taken care of. And, you know, we've, I, I presented uh, some research at the European Congress of Radiology on AI and how AI can benefit us in terms of detecting breast cancer on mammograms. So I, I'm confident that AI is going to play a role in the future of breast imaging. And I'm not worried that AI is going to take my job. I, I, you probably have seen this, but, you know, on social media, on on Instagram and on Facebook, there's there was this meme uh, that was looking at blueberry muffins and um, chihuahuas, right? Uh, the chihuahuas yes, with their yes, big yes. black eyes <laughs> that look like blueberries. And it just showed this AI algorithm how it couldn't necessarily detect or differentiate chihuahuas from blueberries, which is a pretty easy thing for humans to do. So AI is great. If we harness the power of AI, it will help us. Um, But AI is not perfect. AI has its limitations as well, just like humans have their limitations. And when you look at the studies that have been done on AI and specifically um, breast cancer detection on mammograms, what we find is that when we take AI and we couple it with radiologists, the results you get are better. The accuracy of reading mammograms is the best when you couple AI with physicians, not when you use AI alone or physicians alone. So that's really exciting. Meant to be an enhancement, not a replacement. Yes. We call it augmented AI. That's the term. We augment our performance by using AI. Okay. Well, it's uh, I, we could sit here and talk about AI all day, right? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it's so fascinating in every field and especially in yours when it really is a matter of life or death. Uh, now, I'm curious if someone uh, has recently been diagnosed with breast cancer, what are the next steps and what support services does Hogue offer to them? Right. So getting the news of a breast cancer diagnosis, you know, can can feel devastating, and there are a number of steps that occur after a woman's been diagnosed or a man's been diagnosed. The next steps, I think, fall into two main categories. And one category is more testing, right? Because so far we've detected a breast cancer, we've diagnosed a breast cancer, but potentially there are other tests that need to be done to determine what's the best treatment for this person who's been diagnosed with breast cancer. That can look many different ways. So additional testing that may be needed for someone who's diagnosed can look different ways depending on the situation. So that's one thing that will be determined once the diagnosis happens, depending on that person's situation. Okay. The other category of things that happen is getting connected with a treatment team. So at Hogue, we have um, a comprehensive breast program, which means we have different components. It's not just the imaging and the diagnosis, but we have a whole team of people who are involved in treatment of breast cancer and all the different things that are involved in treatment, and also a team of navigators that connects those two pieces, diagnosis and treatment. So this team of navigators helps our patients once we are diagnosed to transition to that treatment piece because that team of people and the plan for treatment, again, can look different depending on the person and depending on their situation. And there's no way to kind of distill it down to an easy formula. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, it's certainly great to hear about all the great resources. Dr. Lopez, thank you so much for sharing 
these important and crucial insights for women around breast health and routine screenings. I appreciate your time today. Uh, And that'll do it for this episode of the Empowered by Hogue podcast. Thanks for listening today, and we look forward to meeting again. Please remember to give us a like and follow us for future episodes. Thank you for listening to the Empowered by Hogue podcast. If you haven't already, please remember to like, comment, and review, and subscribe to catch all our future episodes. For more information on Hogue or to book an appointment, visit hogue.org. That's H-O-A-G dot org.